Hello and welcome to the Celtic Women's Football Show. I'm your host, Claire Wilde. Um, just about having come down from the excitement of earlier in the week, we're recording this on a Wednesday and I am here with an, an equally, I was going to say excited, but we're not excited anymore. We're just kind of like still processing the events of Monday night, aren't we, Lorenzo Pacitti? Yeah, you put it well before the recordings, the hungover. There's a hangover from that game. Yeah. It's, it's lingering. <laughs> Uh, and so it's good to talk about it. Yeah, yesterday when I woke up um, after the Monday night football, obviously we're not used to kind of kicking off the week with a game like that as well, especially such a big one. And then I, I did that thing where, you know, when a really big football thing happens, first of all, you keep waking up in the night and remembering it. And then so then you've had a crap night's sleep and then in the morning you kind of wake up and you go, whoa, okay. And I, I was trying to like knuckle down to work and I just kept getting distracted by the football still. We had this kind of weird hangover effect from the Friday night game as well. Like we kept thinking it was like two days ago, but it was actually six days ago and then yeah. it stays with you. So maybe, again, I think it maybe says something about these like fun, you know, slightly different kickoff times to make these spectacles, you know, because that's mm-hmm. what you want from a derby game. You want it to take over your week. Yeah, totally. Um, how has your, apart from the football, how has your week been? Are, are you ready and raring to record this? I am. I'm well rested. Um, I've done very little in terms of leaving the house since that game. Uh, again, maybe an effect of that game. But yes, yeah, so I'm very ready to talk about it. Uh, news wise, we normally do a bit of news at the top. Uh, if there's anything else going on around sort of Scottish women's footballs, obviously specifically if it's Celtic related, we will get straight to the Rangers game. But first, um, Scotland squad announced for the latest games and no Celtic players in there. Seven Rangers players in there. Four Glasgow City players in there. No Kelly Clark, but a Catherine Hill. I'm literally reading through my list of notable things that I <laughs> thought when I saw it. Um, and also the inclusion of Sarah Ewins. Yeah, there's a few fun things about that that uh, announcement. Sarah Ewins has been back in it. I think she's top scorer in the championship as well right now. Um, again, highlights maybe like a glaring need for a focal point striker that we've always needed to have these last few years and seen her thriving elsewhere is, is frustrating, but you know, she did so well for us. So good luck to her. Um, but yeah, you look at the the squad and to see like the team who's third in our league have such a representation of players, it probably says more about Rangers are the team with that ability to command local players right now. Yeah. That's Whether they're doing it right in their academy or whatever, or the recruitment, the, the, Majority of Scottish professional players seem to be coming through Rangers right now. And then if not, they're in the big English teams. Mm-hmm. Glasgow City have done so well. I think they deserve such insane credit for not having, you know, that uh, clutch of all the internationals anymore, but still being top of the tree. Yeah. For a team who's who suffers from the budget constraints of not being attached to a men's team, to have that kind of scouting network and that kind of ability to bring players in. So impressive. Um, I think it says the same for... Well, Celtic are kind of operating on maybe have hands tied behind the back a wee bit because they don't have that academy built up yet. We don't have yeah. these young Scottish players coming through. We have had to look further afield and we don't have a particularly Scottish lineup. Yeah, uh, it's, it's always mm. funny when the Scotland team gets announced because you want to you want to support them, but we are Celtic fans, so we do have a thing against seeing Rangers players constantly and want to cheer for them. Uh, but you know, it's it's something we really need to improve on. We need to have representation in that in that squad. And right now, I don't think, genuinely, I don't think there is much of a case to be made for any of our Scottish players to be demanding a place in that squad. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, the fact that we have many fewer 
players who are even eligible to be called up for the Scotland squad. I think, I mean, names in our current sort of starting 11 kind of regular rotation that you might think would, I mean, do you think a player like Amy Gallagher is kind of ready and would be up for a call up to the national team? She's, she's kind of one of the names that when I was thinking, who could it be and who would it be at this, at what stage in her career? Yeah, I think Amy's the best shout we have right now. I think she's in kind of tough competition as well there, though. Uh, yeah. And even at Celtic, she's not found their best position yet. And that's, you know, down to the, the lineups we put out. But it, it doesn't feel like she has a set position. And if you're going to go into an international setup, the manager has to know he can plug and play you. So maybe that has hindered her a little bit. But she's definitely got the quality that you'd, you'd want to see making that step. Um, and yeah. I wonder if there's going to be a an opportunity. I thought this would have been quite a good cop, actually. And you see he's done that with... Like, um, a 17-year Rangers player. Well, that's great. what I was going to say. Emma Watson, who's 17 yeah. from Rangers. and But then we've uh, the next thing I was going to kind of come on to, you talked about bringing the young players up and we've got players like Maria McInerney, um, Abby Ferguson, players who Tyree Birchall, a couple of them out on loan, mm. um, and Claire Goldie, who've been called up for the under-19. So there are younger players. And if, if we do manage to retain them and get them kind of playing in first-team football at some point you'd like to think that we would see some Celtic players in the national team at some point in the not too distant future. That has to be the, the priority for me, particularly because you can see them doing well under 19s level as well. And then Tyree goes and scores a hat-trick at the weekend. I think if Celtic aren't going to suddenly invest a lot of money in this team or mm. suddenly go out and have a scouting network that's really advanced, the core of that team has to be young Scottish players. It just has to be. So we have yeah. to start folding them into the team if you're not going to be dominating and winning the leagues by kind of outspending or bringing in quality, then it's it's the way to go long term. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll see kind of how that plays out and how those games go. Um, but let's get onto it and talk about the the meat of what we're going to talk about today, which is that Rangers game. We've talked about it being on a Monday night. We all managed to get there in time, I think. We headed off. We had a couple of people that we were giving a lift to, headed off really early <laughs> to kind of, we weren't sure where, tickets to pick up and things. But we all got there. We all found our seats before kickoff, which was a bonus. <laughs> yeah, I left my house at... The sat I've told me it would take me 20 minutes to drive there. I left my house at half six and I got sat in my seat about a minute and a half before kickoff. I know. I was worried about you, to be honest. When I got your text saying, I've left plenty of time at like 20 to seven, I was like, ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it was a good atmosphere. I think someone... I heard a number, but it was literally someone saying in a pub that there was like 3,000 people there. Um, I don't have an official attendance figure, but it felt again like that Broadwood type big atmosphere. I think there were fewer people than last time they'd put us put everyone in the same stand this time, although basically Celtic and Rangers fans were separated. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a funny one to try and maintain the, the kind of Derby atmosphere, but I do like how they make an attempt to do it. Mm. It's you know, something we should be doing at Excelsior. Because um, it does create that atmosphere, and I mean, it was quite—it only takes you know a thousand people at a ground to be loud, you know, to feel like an atmosphere. So it was definitely more than that. It was pretty well attended, particularly for a Monday night, um, and there was a lot of bite and a lot of edge in the game <laughs> and in the stands. There were two competing little youth ultras groups as well, which was fun. Yeah, that was great. Kathy, you got to encourage. Yeah, and I liked the way there was a group of like young kids mostly boys who were kind of they moved for the second half it was like they were right right they were up at the top of the stand and for the second half they got right down on the pitch so that they could be heard um 
yeah, so obviously we've we've built this up enough. Everyone knows the stakes that are at play. First post split fixture. Um, we get the like. I wasn't really able to kind of do much on social media or kind of interact at all. I kind of as usual had the lineup read out to me as we were driving in because I had zero reception at Broadwood. Um, <clears throat> but the lineup. Let's go through it. Tachonar, Otto, O'Reardon, Gallagher, Jacinta, Chance, Clark, Kerner. Hayes, Flint, and Menglu, with a bench of Logan, Ross, Craig, Shen, Ferguson, Lafersky, Bowie, Goldie, and Barkley. The first thing was the order in which they put the names. <laughs> I got really yeah. confused me because they normally do kind of do it in position order, and they've done it in number order this time. <laughs> it is a weird thing Celtic have decided to keep up. And random days. Also, yeah, like you say, the the random decision to put them in number order now and then. <laughs> Who cares? Um, thoughts on that lineup when you saw it? Uh, well, as soon as I met you at the stadium, I told you I was worried. Uh, we have talked on this podcast before. We talked last week about Otto moving into that back line and how mm. you know she actually impressed a little bit, and we've been kind of wondering where she fits in this team. But what is kind of obvious to me personally is that she doesn't fit in the middle of the park. Not the way we play anyway. Um, so that did worry me. When you're leaving somebody the quality and the experience of Natalie Ross on the bench, you've got to have a good reason for it. Um, Lisa Robertson, somebody who, when she's been missing in recent weeks, we have been really worried about it. Uh, she returned to the side and then to see her completely out of the squad again is worrying. And she's again somebody you need in these big games. Uh, so to lose what for me would be my two starting central midfielders Ross and Robertson just from the lineup at a derby game is pretty scary when you enter the ground. Yeah, I think that was the main thing for me was that Otto is back in midfield and I just don't think it's a position in which she thrives at all and like everyone who has listened to this podcast before will know that we're big fans of Natalie Ross. We've been delighted to have her back in the squad since she came back from that horrible injury and Still no word on Lisa Robertson. There'll be a presser, I think, for the Partick Thistle game this week. So we'll get a chance to ask Fran. But I have reached out to the club and not heard anything about whether it was an injury because we spoke to Fran on Friday at the presser and I did ask him ask him before that game, um, you know, what injuries, who, who's available. And the only ones who weren't were the ones who are kind of on long-term injuries that we knew about. So that was either something happened over the weekend and we just didn't hear about it. But really... Yeah, that that was a big one for me. Um, was there anything else um, in terms of, I mean, seeing Lefersky, the new forward on the bench, I kind of thought he would do that from what, again, he was saying on Friday at the press conference. I think he knew that she was a player who could come in and maybe get straight in and straight involved. But were you surprised? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I read a social media post saying like she'll be involved from next week's game against... This or something from the um, even the Hamden semi, I'm pretty sure it was like the weird copy I read. Like she's looking forward to kicking off with this. So I don't know if that was just a wee mix up, but um, you know we're we're lacking right now. I think as a for a focal point striker, uh, that's the other thing from the lineup. I still held held up a bit of hope that we'd see like a front two of Jacinta and Amy, or we'd see Amy leading the line. Um, but Tash Flint was starting up front again as that kind of focal point number nine um, yeah. and Lefersky offers something completely different and you can only, you can see that you know before before the game when she signed you have a look at her online and you can just see even in terms of physicality she's a very mm. different striker entirely to Tash Flint 
so it's a completely different option. And the minute she came on as well, we'll talk about, but it's it's a very different kind of player. Mm. And there's positives and negatives to having um, two wildly different strikers. For me, this Celtic team doesn't really have a plan B in that way where it's not going well, let's chuck on the opposite kind of striker. It's not the way we yeah. attack. It's not the way we play football. There is a style we need. Um, and for me, it's not necessarily Tash Flint. So Lofersky definitely looks closer to what we expect from a, a Celtic striker in this setup. Yeah, I think so. It was interesting, wasn't it? Because her coming on, I mean, it was announced literally that day. So I had hardly had a chance to even kind of, there was time for sort of a quick Google and a quick kind of look around the internet. But I did a bit more of that today for this podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, we'll talk about her, but she does look very different. She brings some really, some attributes that I think get Celtic fans excited. <laughs> yeah, she can, I mean, the the headline is she can run. I mean, there was even a moment when she came on recently and she must have had a 15 yard, um, the Rangers play had about a 15 yard head start on her chasing a ball down the corner flag and she just turned the afterburners on and yeah. you know, nearly created a chance out of it. I think that's the thing is that she's not she, she it's not like a short burst of pace it's like she can run over a bit of a distance which is something that's really really valuable to us. You've also got, you know, there's there's relative inexperience in on that bench as well and I'm imagining, you know, he's thinking he's not going to have to use players like Barkley who's been playing for under 17s, you know, we're, we're not really familiar with her. But um yeah, interesting. I was delighted, can I say to be positive to see Hannah and Hannah back Hannah Kerner back on the right and Lou back on the left because in a game like this you want players like that who you know can do something when they get the ball. Yeah, two like uh, fullbacks or wide players if you want to call them in this system are as crucial as it gets to this uh-huh. this team. So Kerner's been so impressive and Lou is just maybe the best player in Scotland right now on current form, you know, so to see them to see them start was a big boost. Yeah. Um, just before we dig into the detail, I mean, it was a gay, it was dramatic game and I'm not even sure if this is a fair question because of the way that the game played out. But if you could kind of extract like an overall takeaway or an impression from this game, um, what would it be? Um, I thought it was a really, really poor game. A really poor game of football uh, in general. The derbies against Rangers seem to go one or two ways. They're either like phenomenal and both teams are really going at each other or at least one team dominates and plays great football or they are really, really awful and it's all about kind of these last minute chances and biting the tackle and stuff like that. Uh, I think the takeaway for me from this game and it bleeds into the City game is just that we're not good enough right now to win this league. I don't think yeah. we're good enough to go out and command victories in these games. I don't think we can keep uh, the big results up consistently, uh, which is why our eyes are on the cup again mm-hmm. um, and why the cup run, the double cup run last year for us was so amazing and so electrifying because it just felt like that wasn't how we consistently perform in the league. Mm. Uh, so it was something a bit special. I left the game feeling uh, obviously relieved and really excited about the last minute goal, but just a little bit confused and down and a little bit lost on where the football we play goes from here because this is another big game where it's felt like the Celtic team has no ideas going forward and that the ideas fall to specific players who are kind of to put the game on their back and against a team that matches equality-wise. And for me, I still think Rangers are a much better side than we are in terms of squad depth, 
and ability of their players. I do think Rangers are one of the better teams in the league, if not the best team in the league. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think City are like, City have been phenomenally consistent, particularly in the second half of the season, and so much credit again goes to them. I do still, when I match the teams up, think we should be beating City sometimes. Mm -hmm. Whereas every Rangers game I do go into a little bit... um, a little bit cautious because I think they have some really good players. They have a lot of internationals and they are the ones that are kind of missing the boat here on having that edge in these games. And for me, maybe the same as us, missing a striker. Um, yeah. You know, they've had some bad injuries. If you even look from last season, they had, what, Jane Ross, Lizzie yeah, Arnott, Lizzie scoring Arnott. Goals. Yeah. And now they don't, you know, in that game they didn't. And that was so glaring. And I do feel like on a different day with those two fit, they could have paced us. And there didn't seem like any real until the it's just a Celtic thing of you do feel like we're always in it till the last kick and that is such a credit to the players and a credit to the management but at the same time you don't see it at any point during the game we're not banging the door down we're not you know putting Rangers under pressure to get that goal back yeah we are just playing poorly in these games and that is worrying me yeah I mean for both sides I think you're right and when we look at the goals you know we're not going to talk about fantastic finishes or amazing creation for either of these goals it's mistakes and error and drop literally dropping the ball at times you know it was those goals kind of almost happened by yeah without without the kind of skill of that front line that I think you're right that both teams are kind of lacking at the moment and I know I've seen some stuff on social media about the frustration in the camp with Rangers fans about their inability to kind of do that as well um how uh, we always kind of how did we start the game they I mean they came out to their credit and they pressed us from the first few seconds they were straight out and putting the pressure on straight away weren't they yeah I think uh straight away the the press the press that they had was so specific and so high and a little bit different to what they've been doing in the past it, I felt like to be to give Rangers some credit. I felt like they learned a lot of lessons from that three 0 defeat, and you could see them in the first half. You could see that we were getting nothing. We were getting sniffs of of no attacks. Uh, we were crowded out a lot. They were putting immediate pressure on the centre halves because it just breaks up. If you let Caitlin Hayes carry the ball forward 10, 15 yards, the whole game opens up for us. So they didn't. They tried yeah. to force passes to the left hand side of defence to keep it away from Caitlin. They doubled up on Lou straight away, like not even mm-hmm. even give her a, a second to run the first 10 minutes, it felt like she had two, three players on her, because they know this is where we're going, and it was up to Celtic to find a, an alternative route, which they didn't seem to want to there was a lot of times of it looked almost like Celtic were stubborn to play the way they'd intended, and Rangers had clued onto it, yeah. and I think that whole first half particularly the early stages, it felt like we were really just going to defend and try and break and the breaks were not breaks that felt like they were um, practiced or planned or like that's the way we want to play it felt like it was like we've got a bit of relief here you know run 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 Um, and we didn't really seem to have a lot of creativity or or thoughts what we wanted to do in the final third and Rangers just for me were pretty dominant in the first half yeah I absolutely agree the first half didn't look good at all and I think that I mean we mentioned it when we talked about the lineup I think having a player who lacks that speed and kind of urgency um, in Taylor Otto playing in midfield is a huge, you know, we've seen, like you said, we, this is, I we, we think we all think that she's got 
like she's a good footballer. She's got skills and she was, she was really good performances at the, in that bat line. But I'm stumbling over my words because I'm just kind of, it was very frustrating. The way that I'm speaking was kind of the way that I was watching this game, yeah. just kind of like, come on, uh, nah, uh, 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 come on. And it was, you just, you're shouting from the stands um, in frustration at that lack of kind of zip and bazaars and something being able to get those balls. Even like Amy looked like she wasn't kind of able to do the things that we know she's able to do. Amy Gallagher. Yeah, there's a lot of backs to goals. You know, a lot of the, we had like a kind of system to get out from the keeper to the midfield and then nothing beyond that. The oh. kind of second, third pass just did not seem in place. The runs weren't coming off them. Um, Rangers have really good strength at fullback like we do as well. So when usually that can kind of break down and you go, Lou, Amy, beat the fullback, that doesn't get to, that doesn't happen as easily mm. against Rangers. You know, they've got internationals playing left and right back most most of the time. Uh, so I did feel, I felt for players like Amy and Lou because it felt like when they got the ball, they were doubled up and they didn't have an out ball. Mm. And for me, like you say, that's usually where Lisa Roberts and Natalie Ross excel. Live chance as well, you know, picking up these second balls, moving it forward, uh, creating kind of an actual advanced attack from us instead of everything getting stuck, stuck, stuck in the mud. Mm. Um, and for me, Taylor Otto, just she had her back to goal a lot. Um, she was slow with the ball defensively. It felt like she was kind of roaming mm. instead of clued in to key attacking players for Rangers who were left with a lot of chances in the edge of the box, a lot of free space in the middle of the park. But it felt like every time we had to pass in the middle of the park, there was nothing. There was no room. Rangers were all over us and nobody was finding that free space. And I think there's so many issues that maybe relate to that, um, that the quality of some of our players this season has maybe glossed over, particularly in the big games. I mean, we talk about it all the time. You take away Caitlin Hayes scoring from corners, you know, where are we in some of these big games? It just yeah. feels like we, we get um, we get saved by quality, which is good, but it means on a consistent level across the league season, we're not going to get away with every game. And for that first half, it felt like Rangers were a striker away from absolutely, you know, caning us. It also ma- makes us really vulnerable if we lose any of those players or if we get ho- if there are holes created in that squad where we really, really don't need them. It means that as, as soon as something like that happens, you know, we're one Caitlin Hayes or Shen Meng Lu injury away from being in real trouble at this point, it feels like. And I think you said about the stubbornness of the team looking like they wanted to keep playing the way they play. And I think because of... St- this is a post. This is the first time we've had a split, and the first time we are going to now face a series of games against a much higher quality opposition. Although, obviously, Glasgow City and Rangers are in a different league, but there aren't those games where we can just do that and get away with it. And it's we know that we we can send Lou down that wing. We can bring Amy in on a run to to score goals and to break through defenses. And it's not going to work against teams like Rangers and Glasgow City. It's not really going to easily work as we've seen against teams like Hibs, Hearts and Partick Thistle, to be honest. No. And I think uh, probably something we'll talk about throughout this podcast today, but I think the lack of striker um, who we've, you know, we've been blessed in the past couple of years to have Sarah Ewans, Clarissa Larissey, Charlie Wellings, players that run, 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 players that are constantly, constantly uh, on that kind of back line. They're Mm. turning defenders non-stop. They're making everything so difficult. Mm. And we don't seem to have that right now. Tash Funt's been brought in. She has a lot of experience. She's played at a high level. 
but a lot of moves just broke down at our feet, I feel like, because everything has to move at uh, 100 miles an hour with a Celtic attack, and it just wasn't. And when this play slows down, the creativity seems to stop, and it seems to be because we don't have a second plan. And then when Amy or Lou in particular would beat players, you know, Lou would take on three and beat them and, and get to the going? byline. <laughs> there is nobody in the box. We have nobody committing, and that's the same with the midfield. There's nobody committing, there's nobody gambling. Lou put two balls across the six-yard box as perfect as you like, and there's three players there roughly in the box. Nobody gambling in the six-yard line, nobody going back post. There was a period at the end of last year, maybe, or last season, I can't remember what it was, where Chloe Craig scored like six goals in like three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and always because she was at the back post, because she was playing fullback, and she would just gamble at the back post every time, and she's popped up with so many goals. And right now we have a striker with so much experience who every time we get a ball wide, ball on the edge of the box, would pull towards the ball instead of gambling in the box, committing a defender. Mm. Uh, and it just meant that we were getting crowded out constantly. And it was really frustrating, really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of wondering before we recorded what the numbers looked like since Clarissa left in January, because obviously she was sort of flying high with the goals. And it seemed like at that point as well, she developed such a lovely partnership with Jazz that Jacinta was kind of able to increase her goal tally as well off the back of what just um Clarissa was doing and then you look at what we've done since January and Caitlin Hayes is our second highest goal scorer in the league since January and it it just kind of goes to the fact that you know you can look at the positives of we're really good from set pieces and we've got a great player who can jump and is physical and can head the ball but it, it's not ideal when you're supposedly this attacking attacking team and your second highest goal scorer for a period is a defender. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know what the baseline is for a Celtic attacker. We've seen Charlie Wellings score what forty goals in a in a season. We've seen Clarissa be banging in twenty by buddy halfway through the year. We know what the baseline is for a, what a good striker should score in this team, and we're nowhere near it. Yeah. Um, the closest we got was when Amy played up top. She went on a run, a few games, scoring a ton of goals. Mm. Now she's out of that position. And the person who's replaced her is not replicating it. No. For me, that means you put Amy back there. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm not the way that Tash is playing doesn't seem to suit this Celtic team at all for me. I mean, the fact that I was just watching a bit of the game back, um, some of the kind of following the ball footage that I had, and the first thirty seconds, there's a throw in that Claire Ridden makes after they press us really high. The ball goes out of play. Claire throws it in. Tash starts like at where you might expect her to in terms of the formation of the team. And for some reason, it's Tash who runs through the Rangers players and ends up taking that ball that Claire's throwing in right by the Rangers goal. I was literally, I, I, I made Chris come round and, and I was like, what is, like, am I missing something here? Is she, what is going on in her head when she's coming that deep? Has she been told to do that? What's happening? I'm really confused. <laughs> Well, that's, that's the thing. She might have been, because again, she is a focal point and she's good at holding the ball up, you know, and that is her game. So very much, you know, that might be part of what she's been told to do is come deep, you know, start attacks. But when we don't have, this is now on the other players. There's we no don't one have, there. <laughs> yeah, we don't have anyone gambling beyond her. We don't have any midfielder who's going to commit beyond Tash when she comes deep. We have probably, our, in fact, definitely our three best attacking players in Lou, Jacinta and Amy, who are kind of farmed out wide. Jacinta's position changed about three times during that game. Yeah. And it was never to be up front. It was never to be the furthest player up, even when we were chasing a goal, which again confuses me because we're not starting 
moves in the middle of the park. That's not the way the game's going. It's not mm. evidently what we're good at. So if you're going to have to have somebody up leading the line, you make it your best player yeah. for me. Yeah. And we have players like Lou and, and particularly Amy. Amy's so effective through the middle. But if she's going to be out wide, there's only so much she can do before the ball needs to come central. And nobody was there for it. Mm. Yeah, like you said, we're going to use the word frustrating, you know, if anyone wants to count the number of times. <laughs> um, they score um, after 35 minutes. And I mean, that was a very painful goal to watch go in, wasn't it? And Brogan Hay, Brogan Hay gets the credit for it, but really it's not even that she's made a good run and she, it's just that she's a player on the park and the ball is just left right on the edge of our goal by mistakes from Pam and well, and then Kelly Clark. Yeah. I I mean, I think watching that game back a wee bit, we were talking about it at the game, but how well Hannah was doing in the first half to, to defend a lot. But it was because, you know, Watson was getting fed the ball. They really, really trust her. Mm. She's quite a, she's an electric kind of winger. She's got great feet. She maybe does things a wee bit too elaborate, which I quite enjoy watching. She's a good player. Um, but she was, Hannah was surviving and defending and doing everything, you know, herself. But it was because Watson was taking the ball on so much. And at some point, you know, there's only, if Watson goes at Hannah Kerner 10 times, she's going to beat her once, you know, yeah. it's the nature of the game. Uh, and she does really well, Watson gets a good ball across. For me, it's really poor. Like I, I, I do think Kelly can deal with that. It seems like she's there's a lot of indecision that means the kind of leg goes out lazily is how you how you kind of see it, but it's it's obviously not a lazy movement. It's just that hesitation, I think, about whether she needs to to take it or not. And Pam is clearly sweeping it up and maybe doesn't give a big enough shout. And it's just all very and I think to be playing so poorly at the time watching the game, <laughs> to be playing so poorly, feel like we're kind of under pressure, but. Credit to the defence. I don't think Rangers had a lot of clear chances. I think we were defending pretty well. Yeah. Uh, for that to be the way we concede the goal when it looks like we are never going to score, uh, it was really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, the time between it kind of slipping past Kelly and Brogan actually getting her foot to it felt yeah. like an eternity. It was such a horrible thing to watch. And I think just picking up on your point about Hannah, I think she was a player who did have a really good game again. I think she's someone who, again... Like right wing is her position. That's where she's made to play. She wants to be on the outside and she wants to be finding something in the middle. And we can only bang on about the fact that there isn't anything for her to kind of play into so many times. So I'm not going to just like labor that point, but horrible for them to have got that goal. And we go one down and you're thinking, and it's 35 minutes. So we kind of suffer the last 10 minutes till half time. And then you're thinking, surely like the, this has to be a big team talk. And I'm, I, I think I maybe said to you, I think he's going to make a change at half time. I hope he's going to make a change at half time. <laughs> what were you thinking at that point? And did you agree with me? Yeah, it felt, I would have made three changes at half time, really. I think the, the game oh, yeah. was going, When I say a change, I mean, like. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, the game was not going the way he'd obviously envisioned it to. You know, with that kind of lineup, um, you watch the play unfold. We weren't getting close to scoring. We were lucky to go in only 1-0 down. It just felt like you had to hit the reset button and change up the way this team was playing. Uh, he made a he made that sub at halftime that was quite, I think, amongst us in the crowd. Anyway, it was one that we'd all been pining for yeah. to see Natalie Ross come on. Um, so that was positive. It didn't feel like too much changed uh, in terms of the way we were attacking, other than I would say after halftime we got closer to the kind of Celtic way, 
it's like the Fran Alonso Celtic way of direct balls, but a lot of running from the forwards. Mm. And Tash was now being instructed to do a lot of diagonal running, dragging players out of position. But it didn't feel like it was in tandem with the wingers. It felt like everybody was running to the right and mm. we'll launch a ball up and see who gets it. And again, when it's not Flint's game, there's three or four times her intelligence meant that she got played a great through ball by Caitlin Hayes, but she didn't have the speed to yeah. take the defender at the equation. She didn't have the guile to finish it. Um, and that is where Charlie Wellings would have scored, you know, every single one of those. Larissa would have scored. That's just what we've been used to. And we don't have that kind of striker right now. Totally. Um, and it's listening to, say, Fran and Kelly and Caitlin, even after the game, you know, there was this kind of idea that it was a game of two halves. We did perform better in the second half. And I think overall we did perform second better in the second half and you look at the statistics from the game it was extremely even as these games tend to be against um rangers in even glasgow city it was like 50 percent possession if you look at like attacking stats and defending stats there's not like a lot to pick between them it was just which is like you said at the beginning you know it wasn't an entirely scintillating game of football to watch it was a frustrating game of football to watch but the, that it's easy to kind of say it was a game of two halves when we scored our goal in the 99th minute of the second half. <laughs> was there anything else about, I mean, I think the other thing that we were thinking is that they started to make subs at like seven, they made, they made a sub at 56 minutes. They made a, another couple of subs at 79 minutes and they made a sub at the start of added time as well. Um, the only other sub we made was that Amy Gallagher came off and Kit came on which we'll talk about in a minute at 69 minutes but I think we were frustrated by the lack of let's just change this up this isn't working let's do something different we've got people on the bench we've got Chloe Craig on the bench if anyone's got experience in a fixture like this and might be able to change things and know what to do then it's her yeah I I'm a big fan of Onzo fan um, in general but I do think that he's got away with one with that equaliser because particularly in a loss to have five subs available to you with the current rules, you've already used you've only used one at half time, so you've you go an entire second half of football where you're chasing the game and you're playing really poorly. The team is not playing well, and you make one sub and you you leave three options on the bench. I thought that was honestly criminal. And if we're in a different place a little bit, if we maybe dropped another couple of points somewhere else, close to sack worthy. I I could not believe, <laughs> I cannot believe a professional team professional manager being given that kind of luxury of five subs doesn't use them I think maybe only using four of the five is something you see quite common in in the game right now because five is maybe overkill but to not use those subs when the game is in no way shape or form going your way to leave talented players like Shen uh, completely on the bench you know without being used Chloe Craig like you said is somebody with so much experience particularly in big games even for the the basic fact that she hits a, a great set piece uh, or she is very tall and scores a bunch of headers. You know, these are, when the game ends with lumping the ball up the park to the big centre halves, why is another one not on there then? What is the point of, of leaving one on the bench? I left that game driving home just so <laughs> amused and angry that a, a manager would use one sub in a second half where he's got four. I know. And Liv Ferguson would have brought a bit of, I think, just freshness and speed and determination to to that second half. Well, um, and the, she's used to, she's used to coming on 
in the second half. She's used to being used in that way in this squad. She knows she would know exactly what was expected of her. So yeah, I think I completely agree. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe we can ask him this week if we get the opportunity. <laughs> well, you know, Kit came on and played that Liv Ferguson role, the, the sub striker who's there to run, 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 run and cause havoc and get your foot in and maybe try and nick a goal. Bring the two of them on. And again, if you're gonna if you're gonna use that one sub for it to be the girl who signed today and not the one who <laughs> performs that role, that says something. You know, does he not think the players on that bench are of good enough quality to have changed? If you can't think the players on your bench can improve a performance that bad, there is an issue. And yeah. whether it's with the decision making or the actual players and the quality of them, because we know Shen, we know Shen has the quality to be better than what we saw. We know mm-hmm. that. You know, that's not up for debate for me whether that he didn't have the options on the bench. So I am confused as to why that happened and would like some answers. <laughs> um, let's talk about our goal um, before we go on to, I want to talk about Kit as well, but let's just, mm. get, let's see out the rest of this game because we could talk about it for a long time, I feel. Um, I mean, at that point, at like eight, when it, you know, I had my stopwatch going for the six minutes of added time. And after about three, I, at this point, I'm hungry, I'm cold, I'm frustrated, I'm fed up, I'm annoyed, I just want to go home. And you're thinking, well, this isn't going to happen, is it? And I mean, honestly, talk about huge moments in football. That really did create one, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank you, Rangers, for all the time wasting. You know, <laughs> we, we were going nowhere. None of all the direct balls were actually hitting the first defender. You know, none, nothing was working. It was very much... You know, we're resigned to this defeat. Um, it felt like everything we were trying, which was just lump the ball at the park. We couldn't even get the ball at the park. Uh, but Rangers decided to constantly time waste, to take forever with uh, injuries. I do think Martinez did turn around, coach looked sore. Um, but the need for the stretcher and then not the stretcher and then, the, you know, <laughs> good three, four minutes when yeah. the game was won. You know, they didn't, they were so close to the final whistle to drag that extra time out. Um you give a team like Celtic who are so used to this, you know, last minute winners and somebody as dangerous as Caitlin Hayes playing up top, she just needs to barrel onto a ball and that's exactly what happened. One of these balls out of the 15 or something that we tried in that stoppage time found its way through and I say it every time we play Rangers and I only say it, I don't like to be too critical of of anyone in this league really because it's such a kind of burgeoning league but it's because she plays for Scotland I'm allowed to say it. Jenna Fife <laughs> is... A liability is the, is the word I would use. <laughs> and every time we play a derby against it's, Rangers. It's so funny there. sitting next to you when we're playing and she's in goal, like, because you're always just like, go for her, go for her, she'll make a mistake. <laughs> but and, to be you know, fair, she has, she has got a record of making some of those errors. You know, let's all think back to that Mariah Lee goal at Celtic Park the first time the women's team played there, which was majestic. You watch that game back, and again, it's why I'm lamenting that we don't have that really quick striker. Every time a through ball kind of came off, or a ball over the top came off, even a little bit, she thinks three or four times about coming out. There were a lot of times she came to the edge of her box and ran back, mm. and her defenders covered her well. Yeah. You know, it's it's these kind of things you have to you have to target in a, in a derby. And even when we were hitting set pieces, we were not putting them right on top of Jenna Fife, like we have done in the past and succeeded from, is putting them on top of the goalkeeper, sending Caitlin Hayes in there, Kelly Clark in there and scoring. It just felt like all these things we usually do well, we were missing. And for me, as silly as it sounds, that was one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a great move to send 
to send Caitlin and Claire up to kind of see if we could get something from those. And we did. And when that ball went in the net, I mean, I think we all just absolutely lost our minds. It was incredible scenes, but um, we're a couple of days out now. I do still, I have, how many times have you watched it back? Because for me, it's quite a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And I think for it to be Caitlin that scores it as well, she's just been so instrumental in the Celtic team over the last wee while. She scores big goals and I think if anybody was going to do it, it had to be Caitlin. Mm. And she commits so much to this club. She gives us so much. She's, you know, she understands everything about how important it is to pull on the hoops. Mm. No matter where we are in the league, you know, Celtic is a, a club who demands league titles and she rips away all that kind of context. I feel like when she talks about us, of the women's league and the fact City have dominated it and it's not quite the same yet where, you know, nobody's going to get sacked over us not winning the league. For me, Caitlin really understands the fact that she's a Celtic player and that that is demanded and that these big moments, these special moments, if she can create them, she'll be, you know, I think when the history of the Celtic women's team is written, obviously the league is kind of burgeoning and new, but there's, there'll be segments, you know, 10 years down the road where we kind of reflect on the, the first professional players in Scotland at this league and that kind of thing. And Caitlin Hayes will go down. And she, I think she realises that and embraces that as somebody so instrumental in Celtic's rise and Celtic's success in these cup games and these big last-minute derby winners. And, you know, more power to her. I think she deserves so much credit for... She must have been the only person in that stadium that still believed that a goal was coming there. <laughs> She's just kind of a bit of a titan of this team, isn't she? And not just in terms of the fact that she is undoubtedly one of the best players we've got in the squad. Um but she is such a leader and she's so kind of humble with it. And she's so, she's got that kind of like, just as a comparison, like Callum McGregor-esque kind of, yeah. like you can compare them in terms of their, it's just like an aura, isn't it? Around their, like you said, their understanding of what it means to be a Celtic player and kind of being in the thick of it and, you know, shepherding the younger players and the more inexperienced players and just, leading by example really she's she's astounding so Caitlin gets the goal we all lose our minds you drive home annoyed about the subs (laughs) (laughs) um while I was driving home I was informed and we do need to touch on this because it did happen um and there's I think for those of us who follow this game week in and week out the fact that it's been splashed all over social media and the newspapers for completely the wrong reasons is really galling and we want people to be paying attention to women's football of course not for incidents like this but I think it would be remiss to not even bring it up at all during the course of this podcast the fact that um, Craig McPherson the assistant coach of Rangers came up behind Fran Alonso and headbutted him Um, so yeah I was I was literally driving the car home down the motorway and and this I was suddenly everyone went what um I mean, what, first of all, was your initial reaction to it? We thought that maybe we're recording this a day later than we normally do. I thought we might have heard a little bit more by now about what's going on. We've heard that there's police looking into it and the clubs are looking into it and the SFA are looking into it. Um, but we haven't heard anything yet. And kind of what's your reaction and what do you think the outcome might be of an action like that? Because it was just wild, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, like you said, how you know, it's sad that it's overshadowed it, but I got, I drove home and parked the car and I had three texts and two different group chats of guys I know who who don't watch women's football as far as I know and, and we weren't watching the game but it was like 
you know, sharing that video, just saw this, can you believe that? And like you say, it's frustrating that that is what's getting all the attention. But when I, when I saw the, the kind of headlines and the the notes of the, the video before I hit play, I actually thought it was the head coach for a second. And I thought, oh my God, he's taking that result badly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Fran is a wind-up merchant, right? He's, his passion is kind of infectious if you're um, a fan of his team. If you're not, I imagine he's insufferable, right? <laughs> but there, at no point is Fran aggressive. At no point were any of the Celtic players aggressive or even showboating or they didn't celebrate in front of the Rangers fans. The final whistle blew the minute the kind of the game kicked off after the goal. So there was no kind of there was no uh instant instigation of that from the Celtic players. You know, the, it was literally everyone was shaking hands at the end. And whatever has possessed this coach to go up and headbutt and I mean if you're gonna do it we we moan week in week out about how there's no cameras at several Celtic and Rangers games. You know, <laughs> there are no cameras to do it when it's on Sky Sports for the first time <laughs> is completely insane. Maybe and and on your birthday, weirdly, on his birthday is very funny to me. I think that was the best <laughs> part of it because again, nobody would really have known who he was um, in the mainstream. You know, to know who that coach is, who that guy is, it's just headbutt fun on. So if Rangers hadn't tweeted a happy birthday three hours earlier, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. All these factors into this decision to headbutt somebody on live TV. And it's not, you know, a flare up at the football. It's not even on the pitch where it's like, you know, players getting heated and head to head and somebody's dived a wee bit. It's literally a grown man after a game <laughs> running up and sticking the head on somebody for no reason. It is insane. It's common assault. It's, you know, I'll leave it to Twitter and stuff. It's not for us, as in the, you know, the, the pattern of these kind of things happening from Rangers as a club. Um, but that is, you know, not for us to talk about on the on a show trying to talk about the football. But it is insane. I think he'll obviously be sacked. I think he'll be charged with something. Maybe I don't know. But it's as bad as you know, headbutting somebody on the street at their work. That's literally what happened. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it was kind of like it's, it's funny you pointed out the it's like this historic occasion where it's on Sky for the first time, and that was one of the things that made me think well this investigation that's happening you literally just need to watch the video <laughs> yeah like what, what what else is being investigated i don't um yeah anyway like there's not much more i think we can probably say about it we'll probably bring it up next week when we've heard a little bit more about what the consequences of his actions might be um but very interesting i just want to go back to the point where you said kind of fran has got I can't remember the phrasing that you used, but he kind of, the fact that we did pull a point back from that fixture um, and it was quite tight if you kind of look at the game as a whole. I think sometimes it also ties into the fact that a lot of people who are engaging with women's football don't watch it week in and week out as well. So, which is fine. And like, it's something that people will dip in and out of. But I think there's this tendency to, and I think to a degree, it's completely reasonable to like, this is a fledgling league. You said it as well about not wanting to go in hard on players and stuff like that. But do you think that we're at the point now where we need to start being a bit more critical of some of these decisions that he's making and being a bit more openly critical about it? Or that there's this kind of culture of even just the very fact that the women's team is exists and has consistently been able to win cups and kind of stay in that top 
bit of the league. Um, and the other thing is that Fran, as you said there as well, is a really infectious personality. He's really good on camera. He speaks so well. He's clearly so passionate about the football. But sometimes when we're watching it and we see a lineup or we see something happening on the pitch, we go, what is he doing? And those questions aren't asked nearly as much. And I'm sure it happens in other clubs as well as they get asked in the men's game or in much high pro- higher profile leagues. It's definitely, obviously, a, it's a an easier, um, he gets a softer ride, you know, than any other Celtic manager of the men's team would do because obviously you can't not win the league and be Celtic manager next year. You know, that's a yeah. very special circumstance for that to happen. Um, I do think the Cups have massively helped take away any kind of lingering worries about the fact that we aren't winning the league. But I think at the same time, uh, Fran does have his hands tied behind his back a little bit by the club's refusal to invest. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for us to say, you know, they're competing at a decent level right now, whatever. But the fact is, we are an enormous football club with deep pockets. If we wanted to, we buy that league overnight. That is just a fact. And I don't necessarily think that would be good for the game and that's something that should happen. But it is a fact. So Fran, as we talked about, doesn't have internationals at his disposal. He is finding signings that are coming in. You know, I mean, we just signed a new striker who's come in in the as the split starts. You know, that's not ideal. We've had to try and find strikers in January at the Blue. There was no world in which we kept Clarissa Larissey. There was no world in which we kept Charlie Wellings. When we start to put a team together and build up some real form, he's going to lose his best players. Um, we've got to wonder now when Jacinta goes. You know, we've got Lou playing absolutely out of skin. People will step up and notice that. So I think the reason I'm loath to be too critical is because I do feel like there's only so much he can do as, as a coach. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's time in his cycle now as a Celtic manager where the people in charge um, have to be asking questions of can we go any further under yeah. under Fran Alonso? That's the kind of the big answer for me, and I I would be I think it'd be harsh on him to make a call on that without proper investment. But if the proper investment's not going to come, then you know then we as a club maybe we're going as far as we can, and something needs to change. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it is a balance between what he's able to do as a manager and some of the decisions that he does make and the and the way that he sets up that team and recruits. And I actually think in terms of recruitment, he's managed to do an awful lot with very little, like you say, from what he's been given from the club. And I think it is incumbent upon them to step up and really, really invest in this side and in the league as a whole. Like it's it's really important for clubs like Celtic to lead by example. We've said it before and sort of lead the way in a fledgling league like this to work with the SWPL, to work with the other clubs, to say, how can we make this better? The fact that it was so difficult to get tickets for this game again, and that's on Rangers and Celtic because they just set up these insane sort of processes that you have to hoops, you have to jump through to get there. Um, But yeah, no, I think you're right. I just think it's important that we don't lose sight of that as the league is growing and as more and more people are coming in. And I also think that we, we will never quite know. It's, it's much more difficult to know where to kind of, and I don't like really like the phrase, but I can't think of another one, like apportion blame because there is much less scrutiny in the women's game. We're not in the men's game. There's so much media. There's so much fan media. There's so much mainstream media. There's so, so many people on social media who are like completely invested in finding out every little thing. And we probably will have more of an insight into 
the inner workings and the kind of shenanigans behind the scenes, which we're just at this point not going to get in the women's game, which means that when we see things that we don't like, it's hard to know, like, like what's happening here. Yeah, I do. I do think, you know, as, as nice as I'm being, I've complained today about these subs. I think it was any other manager says a lot about the respect I do have for Fran and how crucial he's been to the growth of Celtic women's team and the cups he's won us, you know, that will live on forever. Um, but the two subs thing, <laughs> starting Taylor Otto at centre mid, where you know we watch the games week in week out. I don't think anyone that we know who watches games would have ever thought that kind of decision makes sense. So it, you can only get so far into like somebody's mind um, before you're just wondering if they're making the wrong decisions. But you know, Fran deserves a lot of leeway, deserves a lot of respect. Um, when he leaves the club, it looks like it might be on his terms. But I think he loves the club. You know, mm. I really, I really don't see Fran deciding he's done everything he can here but there has to come a point where either he gets frustrated that he can't take this club any further or the club think there's a better option and there are you know as the game grows there's going to be other managerial options it's way too early for us to do this but there's you know even managers in this league that we could maybe be sending out that we have our eyes on um there's a lot of new professional teams down south who might want to take on a job that comes with the scrutiny and the the public sphere of Celtic you know you've, mm. you're the Celtic manager yeah. these are things that as the game grows is going to become a, a talking point so there's you know there's a, there's a lot of ways to go in the future with the Celtic team but it comes down to how much the club are actually gonna actually gonna put into it and we, we've talked about three years ago two years ago about missing the boat it feels like Celtic are already you know leagues behind in terms of what we can do for this women's team we see other countries you know our best player just went to a team in Sweden that doesn't like you know isn't the best team in Sweden. Why it's why it's Celtic men. We would never accept that our best player leaving for pennies to mm. the Swedish league. We need to get to a point where as the Celtic women's team, we hold ourselves in the same standing in European football that we're going to commit to growing this club to be as big as Celtic is on a global scale. On a global scale, but it looks like we're fifty years off that. If anything, yeah, yeah. Um... We're just at the beginning of the journey, really, even though, you know, we're three years into professional team, a professional league. And so everything is changing really quickly. And I, I know that we will be sitting here in a year's time and everything will be completely different again. And we'll be looking back and it's just interesting to wonder what the conversations we might be having then would be. But we would, I mean, we're always urging the club to just support women's football more then. And and to be fair, we'll probably do, you know, some stuff and some features around this when on the off season and when we haven't got games to talk about. But I think again, it's always worth revisiting the some of the stuff that the club have done because they have, you know, made some efforts in certain areas. And I know that some of the reasons that they're not able to do stuff is because of the fact that the league is itself is so sort of in its infancy. And I think there's like three full time members of staff working at the SWPL at this point. Um, so we shall see. Um, before we kind of, I mean, one thing we have done is stayed a point ahead of Rangers in the table. I mean, you know, that is, that's and, the they've, and they've got, they've got more resources than us. So we're doing <laughs> yeah. something right. Let's be positive. <laughs> you know, this isn't the Rangers women's podcast, but if it was, I hope I, I would imagine they're furious. You know, they've got a really talented squad. They, it has to come down to management surely. And, you know, recruitment to not get a new striker in. But to be fumbling this league title at the first attempt with the resources they have, the international players they have, the 
the letdowns they have in these big games, it must be frustrating, which I enjoy. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's Celtic where second place is the goal, is the minimum goal because it gets you that taste of European football, that little sniff, that little thing we can enjoy where there's that slim chance that we might make it into the Champions League. You know, it's a very closed tournament that is very small compared to the men's one as well. But you get that little taste of European football, which is exciting. Um, the league looks like it's probably... It was already going to take somewhat of a miracle to win this league in terms of us having to turn over Glasgow City probably twice. Um, you never know because the teams are so closely matched. You know, City could lose every game against the other, you know, as in Rangers now from here on out and it wouldn't be that ridiculous. Um, but second place is the goal and we've stayed ahead of Rangers and we'll next play them at home and then we won't have to play them again. So Tough good. ask. It's a tough ask to pull this one yep. back. But, you know, stranger things have happened. We'll start. At what point do we start doing maths? Not this point, definitely. Oh, after we beat City the first time, I'll start doing maths. <laughs> um, just before we finish, um, we haven't really talked a huge amount. We've talked about her coming on in the game, Kit Lefersky. It was announced on the day that she was coming into the club. Just a bit of information about her, really, just for people who might not have... I don't think anyone will have heard of her before she was announced, unless you're very deep into... Um, football across Europe and the Finnish league in particular, which is where she came from. Um, she was born in 1997. It took me a while to find out from a Wikipedia page that was translated from Finnish. So <laughs> we had to go deep into the internet to get this information. Um, but I think she, as a player, has been really highly rated. She was playing for a club called Alland and was very highly rated by them and clearly has got like that, the dynamism of a forward player and someone who can come in and play that role up front for us potentially if we want to. Um, yeah, what do you think? Happy with her coming in? Yeah, I mean, I like the profile of her. I like this kind of striker. I think it suits us. Um, again, as you say, she's she's highly rated where she's come from. She's one of these players that comes through that college system where usually what we expect is a base level strong athleticism from those players just because the nature of the way they do it over there in the States. Um, yeah I'm excited I, for me I just throw straight in I don't think it's working right now let's get her up top um, mm. let's see what she can do I don't think physicality is the way to go for us uh, yeah and long live Kit Lefersky what is it somebody somebody said that joke so, I mean, 10 people said that joke uh, another Celtic kit this season <laughs> oh, very good very enjoyed. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, with the Americans coming in? Because she was, I think she was in Florida and obviously, like you said, played college football. And I, I've got this kind of bias towards immediately thinking that people, players coming from America will instantly be amazing. And I don't know, I was trying to work out where it came from. And I was like, I was, two of the first professional signings we made were, um, Sarah Teagarden, as it was then, and Summer Green. And they kind of came in and were so, kind of different and refreshing from what we'd seen before i still think i have that in my head as the kind of oh, look at these players from america <laughs> <laughs> well i mean they're the world champions so it's like or they were so it's so it's like um it's the equivalent in the men's game of us signing a player from brazil you know or, or argentina and being like oh, but they obviously God, also so produce so many more soccer players would we say because it's yeah. such a big sport over there compared well, to their um their college football is probably more, in fact, a hundred percent more funded than any oh. professional league that we're, they're going to play in over a year if they're not playing in like Spain or France. I believe college football has teams. has things like uh, time clocks and scoreboards 
and things. Yeah, that's interesting. I they mean, should bring that in here, maybe. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely something to look at. Anyway, should we quickly, because we've been talking for a long time, before we run out of time, we have got another game coming up. We're playing Parsit Thistle on Sunday. Uh, we beat them 8-0 last time. Um, so that augurs well for this fixture. They've done really well to get themselves into the top six post split. So they'll be absolutely thrilled with that. Um, yep. you know, their form has kind of been really good against the bottom six and not so good against the top six. So we would be expecting to go into this as very firm favorites. Um, what are you thinking about the game on Sunday? Yeah, it's a it's a chance to kind of set down a, a marker for the rest of the split and say that. You know, we're not going to do it in silly. We're going to beat the teams we're supposed to beat and then we'll leave the Derby games where they are and think about them later. Um, for me, it's a good chance to get Kit involved. It's a game, as you say, we'll be on the front foot the whole time. We should be scoring a bunch of goals. Let's get the confidence back, phone through the team. Let's try something a bit different. You know, let's move away from every Derby game we play now. We're going to have to win. Uh, this kind of being on the back foot's not helping us. Let's go out and try and pace the team. Try and you know load the. I would load the game with forwards. Honestly, you know, mm. I'd, I'd I'd play everyone we have, and I'd play maybe two know, at, two at the back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honest to God, why not? Let's. Sometimes we've seen us go four at the back, right? And four at the back means we drop back into a four, but there's essentially two centre halves there who can play football. So you know, Kelly Clark and, and Caitlin Hayes, mm. two centre halves. Everyone else, you're attacking. Okay, lovely. I can't wait to see how he lines this team up for the game on Sunday. <laughs> it's. Imp- I was going to ask you to predict it, but I, I genuinely think it's impossible to predict at this point. It will be 5-0. 5-0. And who who do you think he will um, put in the starting 11? Do you think he's- uh, I'm going to manifest it and say Kit Lefersky will start. Okay. And I think she'll score two. Um, and then I think I think you'll go with I think I'm look, I feel you'll go with uh, Chance and Ross in the midfield. Okay, and we'll find out what ha- we'll find out hopefully in the next couple of days and let people know what's happened to Lisa Robertson because obviously we would always like to see her back in the squad. Absolutely. Um, it's been great. It's been very nice to talk about such an emotional evening of football that happened on monday night for everyone involved um thank you very much lorenzo thank you we took a very important point we take that onwards into the rest of these nine games across the split thank you very much for listening he's been lorenzo pachiti i've been claire wilde and this has been the celtic women's football show (laughs) 